Hello and welcome to the Fit to Transform podcast, where you learn how to train and diet effectively and, most importantly, how to maintain those results for life, once and for all. I'm Nikias Tomasiello, a transgender training and nutrition coach working online with anyone who's ready for a true lifestyle transformation anywhere they may be in the world. As a friendly reminder, any and all information provided is for educational purposes only. You should consult with your doctor before implementing any changes to your diet and exercise program. With that disclaimer out of the way, thank you for being here. Now grab yourself a cup of tea or pre-workouts and enjoy. You're welcome back to the podcast. Today I have a brand new guest, Coach Casey Orvidas, on the show to talk about mindset. Casey has a PhD in psychology and her main areas of expertise include health behavior change, mindsets, motivational interviewing and habit formation. So she has a wealth of knowledge that makes her absolutely perfect to discuss today's topic. We are going to delve into the difference between fixed and growth mindsets. What are the traits of a fixed mindset? How you can catch them within yourself and how you can start working towards overcoming them in order to achieve your health, fitness and any other goal that you might have. Without further ado, let's get straight into the interview. Yo, dear listeners, welcome back to the podcast. Today I have Casey Orvidas. And I actually forgot to ask you, Casey, if Orvidas is how you say your last name, but I hope I got it right. Actually, perfect. So, which doesn't happen a lot. So, <laughs> I feel so much better about myself right now because that would have been embarrassing. But anyway, we are here to talk about mindset, which, as you will know, listeners, I am extremely passionate about. But before we dive into it, Casey, could you let the audience know who you are, what you do, and why you're so awesome at it? Aw, well, I'm Casey. Um, If you want to be super formal, I'm Dr. Casey Orbitus. I do have a PhD in psychology, and in my PhD, I mainly focused on health behavior change and most specifically looked at growth versus fixed mindset to describe essentially how often we exercise, how healthy we eat, and essentially how that relationship between mindset and those health behaviors. Um, Today, like post-PhD, my business still very, very heavily focuses on this combination of psychology and fitness coaching. I own a health and fitness coaching business called KJO Coaching, and our big emphasis there is no surprise on mindset and behavior change. So we'll help you as traditional like nutrition and fitness coaches will, but we have a very strong emphasis and place um, a lot of importance on mindset and behavior change skills and strategies specifically. And then I also have a certification for health and fitness coaches, and that is the health mindset coaching certification. Uh, We just actually started our sixth round. We have our first call for this round in just a couple days here, which I'm super excited about. We have about 70 to 130 coaches go through each cohort. And that's where you essentially get to learn the foundations of health behavior change from an evidence-based perspective. And we dive into all the fun stuff like self-control and stress and habit formation, motivation, things of that nature, essentially how to leverage these concepts from an evidence-based perspective to use with your own clients. So I do a lot of like working with people in a one-on-one fashion, but also coaching other coaches as well. But it's all kind of under this umbrella of combining psychology and fitness. So that's me. Thank you so much for the introduction. And that is really interesting. And I am looking forward to picking your brain since you know not only how to help others with behavior change, but also how to teach others to help others with behavior change, which is a whole other kettle of fish. I think to start with, I always like to um, begin with definitions. And in particular, I'd like to ask you to define the concept of mindset, because I think it's a, it's almost a buzzword that a lot of people use every day, but I'm not sure that um, we ever really define what we mean by mindset. Yeah, and it is a buzzword and has become more and more popular. I actually recently made an Instagram post, and this is part of me encouraging people to enroll in HMCC, just how 
drastic the spike has been in Google search trends for mindset and mindset coaching over the past like five to six years. It's, it's insane. So we see it very much so in social media land, people talking about mindset more and more, but where, where's it coming from? Right. And I think it's a very important question to ask, but like, what does that even mean? Because it does become a very like airy fairy woo woo kind of concept gets put in the same bucket as like manifestation and just like think positively right but the reality is there's there's a lot more to it it's like quite literally got my phd from the mindset lab right like we there's a lot of science behind this stuff um and that's not to say that there's nothing that there's anything wrong with like manifestation and thinking positively like please do those things but um people don't realize that we actually have evidence-based principles and concepts and theories from a behavior change perspective that actually impacts your mindset too. So with that said, the definition that I like to work from, and I would think um, most researchers, academics in the area go from this as well, is that your mindset is essentially the lens that you take to see the world with. So it essentially determines how you make sense of things, you assign meaning to things, you understand like situations that you're in, that everything is kind of coming through and getting filtered through this lens that is your mindset. So off of that, what I'm speaking to most frequently is growth versus fixed mindset, right? So with growth versus fixed mindset, we're really talking about how much you actually believe in your ability to change or to improve. So someone with a growth mindset at, at the end of the day, believes that they truly can change that they can improve the specific thing that they're working on. Someone with a fixed mindset doesn't so much feel that way and may actually believe that there's no way for them to change, that it's not possible for them, right? And the thing about a fixed mindset too is it can be kind of sneaky. So you might not know, like everyone might be listening to this, like, well, I definitely have a growth mindset. I know I can make the changes. I know it's possible. But the truth is a lot of people have more of a fixed mindset than they realize. And it could actually be the thing that's holding them back. So kind of starting to pay attention to where that shows up is really important. But yeah, that's kind of like some basic definitions to start with. Very interesting. Thank you uh, for that definition. Now, obviously, you've built your entire business on the concept of mindset and on the uh, evidence based, well, on the science of mindsets and behavior change. I want to know why, what got you into it? Why at the beginning did you believe that this was so important that you wanted to make it the cornerstone of your education? And then why now do you believe that it's important if the two stages have changed, basically? Yeah, and it, and it did change. I didn't actually seek out understanding more about mindset in particular. Like we're talking, this was in probably 2013, 2014, when I really started to look into PhD programs. I knew that I wanted to better understand why so many people knew they needed to eat healthy and exercise and take care of themselves. Everyone has this knowledge, right? But so, 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 so many people aren't doing it. Um, and what it comes down to is psychology and behavior change, right? It's not a knowledge issue. Like people understand that they need to like get outside and like get some sort of movement for 30 to 60 minutes a day. Like people are, are understanding this, right? So that was kind of my draw to further education after my undergrad degree and was really falling in love with just the aspect of the idea of research and being able to like really find some legitimate results in like understanding in areas. So what I really set out to do was learn more about health behavior change in general and better answer this question, right? So I was kind of broad in my searching for PhD programs. I applied to some like experimental programs. I applied to some counseling programs. I applied to some health behavior programs, um, but eventually landed on the mindset lab at NC State University because the professor, my PhD advisor turned out to be, um, Dr. Jenny Burnett was doing a lot of work in the area of mindset and was starting to like get into health behavior specifically. So at the time she was actually doing some research and just wrapped up some research around the idea of obesity and what it means from a mindset perspective when we, when the American Medical Association actually termed obesity as a disease and what that means from a mindset perspective and how that then impacts people's health behavior. So that was all very, very interesting to me. And the lab was relatively new. So I was very drawn to that, but 
Also, North Carolina is beautiful. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm la- leaving Minnesota in the snow at the University of Minnesota to go to like nicer, like more temperate North Carolina. But I loved everyone at the, the school in general too and saw a lot of potential in that lab and being able to really spearhead a lot of the health and fitness stuff within the mindset lab, which I did end up doing, which is really cool. But yeah, I didn't really seek out mindset in particular, but very quickly like fell in love with it when I realized how powerful it was and the research that they were Mm. doing on it in a variety of areas. I mean, you can find research on growth versus fixed mindset for business, like entrepreneurship. You can see it for relationships. You can see it for intelligence. You can see it for academics. Like it's everywhere. Um, so it was very cool to actually be part of like the up and coming of the research when it comes to health, health, health and fitness, health behavior change, things like that from a mindset perspective. So yeah, long story short, I wasn't really looking <laughs> for mindset. It kind of found me in a way and I fell in love with it very quickly and realized the power of it, like through research and seeing what, everything that was out there and just knew that I needed to bring this into the health and fitness coaching space. And the sad part about academia is a lot of times we find all these results and we publish this great research, but that's where it stays. And it doesn't find its way into like the real world, into the wild, right? So I was also nutrition coaching at the time while I was going through my PhD. So I got to kind of be in the lab doing the research, doing the academic stuff, but also being like boots on the ground in the trenches doing like face-to-face one-on-one coaching with clients. So it was very cool to be involved in both and kind of be able to see the world like from each perspective. And then really just wanted to continue to do that, to continue to blend the world and not just like publish research and let it sit in a journal and and cross my fingers that some coaches find it, which that's not happening, (laughs) you know? So that kind of drew me to getting out of academia at the end of my PhD And really trying to see like, okay, well, how can I bring some of this research and bring some of this knowledge and understanding to the health and fitness coaching world myself? And that's what we're doing. (laughs) Fantastic. So it sounds like you first got into it because you really wanted to understand why so many people have all this knowledge. If not yet, they have it at their fingertips about health, nutrition, exercise, but they do not apply it. And you've realized that mindset plays a massive role, it sounds like, in that. So my question would be, essentially, what you're describing um, is the fact that we know what we need to do, but we're not doing it. Why is that? What drives that lack of action? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is that is the question, right? And funny because I just did a whole like three-part series for free leading into this recent enrollment for HMCC all about self-sabotage and that's like very that's very much what this is right we know what we need to do we don't do it and then we complain that we don't have results (laughs) so um but yeah that's the golden question right is like why do we do it though and obviously my biased opinion is that like psychology and mindset play a really really big role in that and I would really really try to get honest with yourself and ask yourself like Do you actually think that you can make those changes and sustain those changes, right? So some people are like, I can lose weight, sure. But when it comes to actually keeping it off and like keeping up with those health behaviors for the long term, like for the foreseeable future forever, then they're like, oh, I don't really know if I can do that. And if you don't, if you're not super confident in your ability to do something and be successful with it and keep it up it becomes very unrealistic to even try in the first place because you think you're just going to fail anyway. It's kind of like, what's the point, right? So I see that over and over and over again, not only with one-on-one clients, but even with coaches as they're learning some of this behaviors and like understanding how their mindset is holding them back. So a lot of times that's where it's coming from is this not a hundred percent sure that you're actually capable and have the ability to be successful in that area. So then you self-sabotage and you hold yourself back from actually giving it a full effort, actually like hiring a coach or giving it your all or really like kind of giving yourself no other option because you're very much certain that there's a large chance you're just going to fail anyway, you know? So that's like something that 
needs to be worked on. It really is the foundation for everything. And this doesn't just go for health and fitness behaviors. I mean, this could be if you are interested in starting a business or you're looking for a new relationship or something like that. If there's even a little bit in the back of your mind thinking like, well, I don't really know if I'll ever actually have that thing, then you're never going to give it as much effort and find the resources or get creative, get scrappy and do all the things that could like be necessary to get there because in the back of your head, you keep telling yourself, like, I can't actually do it. So like, no one's going to want to try really hard at something if they don't think that it's actually possible. Right. So it's becomes very like common sense at that point. Like if you knew you could, there's no way you could lose a hundred pounds. Would you try to lose a hundred pounds? Like probably not. Right. So, um, that's something that comes up for me first, for sure. But there's a lot of different directions and things that can kind of fall underneath the umbrella of mindset and fixed mindset in particular, like a lot of things that people are familiar with, like self-sabotage, but within that, even um, all or nothing thinking or like victim mentality, stuff like that. Like we hear all of these different words and phrases that I just think, you know, so much of this comes back to mindset in general. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So it sounds like where you one area that's really re- or rather one trait that's really really important is self-belief the belief in yourself mm-hmm. now how would you nurture self-belief mm-hmm. I think some of it is you just got to jump right you kind of have to do it and prove it to yourself along the way but also there's a lot of ways to to prove it, to get to that proof, because we all become more confident in ourselves and our ability to do things. If we're starting to see progress, if we're, we're taking some steps forward and it is paying off, right? Suddenly it's a lot easier to like build that momentum and keep going, but you also have to seek out resources and seek out, think, look at people who maybe have been successful in the area that you're trying to be successful in um, and really start to think like, what does that person that I want to be, what are they doing on a daily basis? You know, and kind of just work backwards from there. I think all too often we get very caught up in our current circumstances and where we are now and how we don't want to be there that we're not thinking about, well, if I was there, what would that look like? You know, what would that require? And it can be as simple as just starting to adopt some of those behaviors of that future self in a way. Um, there's a lot of different ways you can start to like cultivate some of this self-belief, but also of course, like surrounding yourself with people who believe in you and like having these open and vulnerable conversations with them about how maybe you don't have the belief in yourself that you wish Um, hiring a coach who is like very well versed in these areas and helping them. um, They can help you by giving you like specific questions and starting conversations with you making you think differently, like really starting to shift your perspective in that way. So yeah, that was like, I don't know, four or five (laughs) different (laughs) ones wrapped up there, but. I counted about, um, I would say four, you mentioned doing research. So, and then also seeking inspirations from inspiration from others who are doing what you would, what you aspire to accomplish having the right support circle and simply taking the plunge and doing it, which I think are uh, great suggestions. Now, another barrier that you mentioned is the all or nothing mentality. How can you practice liberating yourself from that kind of belief, that that kind of uh, mindset rather? Yeah, for sure. And I think in the, in the research, it's actually called dichotomous thinking. So it's a fancier term if you do want to like get into Google Scholar and look it up a little bit more. Um, but this idea that it's either this, it's either right or wrong or black or white or good or bad or all or nothing, right? So kind of getting into that headspace can be tricky because it is a slippery slope once you get there because once you're like okay well I had I had the cookie you know so now I might as well blow the entire day because I had that one thing because the rest of it's ruined at that point or why go to the gym twice a week because I'm not going to see results unless I go four times a week so I'm just going to go zero if it's if it's any less than four right so You can see, we all know where this is detrimental and we all know logically it doesn't make sense, but our minds do it anyway. So some like, I guess a specific exercise that you can actually use to kind of play with this way of thinking is to think, okay, if you're thinking about a specific thing that you tend to see from an all or nothing perspective, like we were just talking about eating the cookie, like we can go from like a dieting perspective, uh, So there's like good foods and bad foods. Like you're noticing that kind of mentality that you have. 
putting that on a scale of one to 10, like bad foods being one, good foods being 10, and then figuring out, well, what would fall in the one category? So cookies, cake, ice cream, processed foods, like go down the list. And then what would fall in the good category? category, like very whole nutrient dense foods, broccoli, you know, raspberries, all the vegetables, fruits, whatever. Okay, great. So that's where we're at now. What would fall between like four and seven in that middle category, right? And people who have very strong all or nothing ways of seeing this have a hard time doing this because they're like, I mean, no, it has to fall into this category or this category, but it's a very good opportunity to kind of test that cognitive rigidity and try to be more flexible with it. Because the truth is there, there is no good or bad, right? Like there are, there is this kind of like constant continuum and spectrum. And like, while we could say, sure, like corn, oil, crusted French fries, like, I don't know, just the worst case scenario, sure would probably fall in a one, but at the same time, like, what does that mean? So after going through this, what's, what falls in one, what falls in 10, and then what foods would you put in that middle category, really start to think about the meaning that you're assigning to these things too, right? It's not, okay, well, if it's bad, like what, what does bad really mean though? Like bad, like it's going to kill you or bad, like it's just going to give you like an upset stomach or is it bad just because you have always thought it to be bad. So really to get like critical with that and think like, okay, where where, where am I even getting these categories from in the first place? Where do they come from? What do they mean to me? Um, and that can be a really helpful. So I love anytime you can use like a rating scale or put things on a scale or numbers to kind of get more like tactical with it and tangible rather than it just being this sort of like, oh, I just kind of feel this way and this about this food and this about that food. It's like you can really categorize everything and then go a little bit deeper into why you put things in those categories. So there's a lot of other ways to obviously work on this more rigid ways of thinking, but that is one like specific exercise that you could use literally right now. That is a really cool exercise and super actionable as well. Mm -hmm. I'd be curious to know on the topic of the all or nothing mindset, how does it differ from perfectionism if it does differ in any way? Yeah, I think depending on the person, depending on the situation, of course, like perfectionism can come from a lot of different places. But what I've seen a lot too in the health and fitness space is that perfectionism is sort of just another word for fixed mindset. (laughs) So people who are, oh, I'm a perfectionist or I need everything to be perfect. It's really coming from a place of like, I'm worried that if I don't do it perfect, that I will fail and I won't be good enough. And I need to do it a specific way. People we also see people who are perfectionists tend to procrastinate in general, because if it's not perfect, they don't want to do it. And that's that very like all or nothing type of way of seeing it too. But the reason they won't do it unless it's perfect is the reality is because they don't really know if they'll actually be successful and they don't want to face failure. So it's easier to just not try at all than to try and not get it perfect and potentially fail. Right. So you can see how like all of these things are very interconnected. And this is why I'm like, I could argue all day long how everything just comes back to growth or fixed mindset, <laughs> because it, I really see that as sort of like the umbrella for everything. Uh, yeah, I agree. It's very clear that so far we've defined the traits of what I would define a successful mindset. And they all point to being more flexible rather than being stuck in a fixed mm-hmm. mindset. Now, Actually, speaking of being stuck, I was thinking as you were talking about the definition of perfectionism, uh, you said that people find it easier to stay in the uncomfortable place where they are than to try because they're afraid of failure. And um, it got me thinking that that's exactly what so many people end up doing. They, They choose to stay in an uncomfortable place because that's the that's their comfort zone mm-hmm. instead of trying to leave that comfort zone for lack of self-belief um and or, or for lack of conviction that it, they may be successful essentially so yeah, it, it was it's not really a question it's just a comment I, I was thinking why are we so driven to stay in a place where we are so uncomfortable but we the the drive to do so is so strong 
that we still call it the comfort zone in the end. Yeah, that's actually really interesting and an interesting way to think about it. I came across a quote the other day, and it was actually when I was creating the slides for the self-sabotage solution, that um, three-part series I was mentioning. But the quote was, the better the devil you know, right? So even though staying where you're currently at is uncomfortable, it's still, it's comforting in the fact that it's certain. So you mm-hmm. know what to expect on a day-to-day basis. You know how you're, if you feel terrible, at least you know where it's coming from, why it is, you know what to expect, you know how you're going to feel about yourself versus trying to do something different and now being uncertain on how it's going to make you feel, what it's going to do, if it's going to work, if it's not, if you're going to put all this effort in just to like get back to the same place again, like that's more uncomfortable than the current devil, right? The better the devil, you know, that where you, where you're currently at. So that is like, we are constantly seeking safety and certainty, and it is more safe for us to stay where we're at currently, even if we hate it, because we understand it and we get it. And and we are always seeking more understanding to better, like put pieces together and be certain and not be surprised and like really understand where we're currently at. Um, And the unfortunate reality of that though, is that so many people are staying in this uncomfortable, comfortable situation because they're worried that they're going to put effort in and fail and just come back to where they currently are. Right. So if you were to ask someone, well, what's the worst case scenario, if you were to hire a coach, go all out, like join a gym, do all of the things and actually like really start to like turn your lifestyle around. Like what's the worst case scenario? They will say, well, I'll do all of that. I'll spend the money. I'll take, put in the effort. I'll do all the things just to like be back at square one again. And what's so interesting about that is that their worst case scenario is their current reality, right? So they are so worried that they are going to end up back where they currently are. And we're all pretty much out here then just accepting the worst case scenario to be our reality and be more comfortable with that. And I just wish more people could like see it that way and and really understand because then it's like, okay, so you try and fail. There's, there's no way you don't still get something out of that. Like you still probably learned a lot. You still have so many more tools now. You better understand your body and the things that work for it versus what don't. So you're back at square one, but now you're so much more knowledgeable. You have all these tools in your toolbox. You know how to be successful now and you know what it would require from you and what, or maybe what, what didn't work, right? That's all really good information to have. So really isn't like any cons to it at the end of the day. And I think, I just wish more people would (laughs) see it that way. I agree. It also seems like when people are thinking that way, when they're thinking, I'm so afraid of going back to square one, what they're really doing is focusing on the outcome and not paying any attention to the process. Because as you just said, well, yes, maybe you end up where where you are now, but the process you're going through, you will go through, is going to be life-changing potentially. It will transform you into an entirely different person, even if the outcome ends up being exactly the same. And uh, it's something that I'm always preaching, focusing on the process instead of the outcome, because I would wager that if you focused on the process and on finding a way to enjoy what you're doing while you're doing it, instead of solely focusing on the end result, even if the end result was very, very close or exactly the same to where you started, you would have a better uh, view of it. You would see it through a different lens, a more positive lens, because you enjoyed how you got there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And kind of like a good analogy is even just building muscle, right? So you can build muscle to your max potential over the course of 15 years and then stop training entirely for five years. And you're going to lose a lot of that muscle that you gained. But if then after those five years, you said, okay, I'm ready to get back into it. What you built in that first 15 years will come back on in a fraction of the time, right? So the same thing happens here when we're learning new behaviors and skills and trying to turn our lifestyles to become healthier and more productive, things like that become the better version of ourselves. When you're on this journey, you're constantly collecting things along the way that even if you like 
take five steps forward and then take three steps back. It will take you so much less time now because you have all that stuff from that five steps forward to get to back to where you want to be and then some, right? So, and that's just like kind of the process of life. Like if you think about anything else that you've ever accomplished, I'm pretty sure you had some like setbacks or failures or obstacles, barriers, things that like you could just not figure out why it wasn't working, but eventually you got there, right? So it's it's always this kind of push and pull. And I think we forget about that a lot of times when it comes to health and fitness behaviors and wanting to change our lifestyles and, and things like that too. And just being like, okay, with that can really go a long way. And in fact, like those obstacles, barriers, challenges, failures, things like that, are really, really important pieces of information because you essentially, you can collect all the things you want of like, this is working for me. This is, this goes real. This is really easy. I've really picked up on this and that's great. But the stuff that's like, that was really hard. I don't really like this. This doesn't feel like it's fitting my lifestyle. That's also really important information too, because at the end of the day, we're just looking for something that, that works like day in and day out. And sure. It may still take effort day in and day out. Like nobody's like driving you to the gym and like helping you with your bicep curls and things like that. But collecting that information along the way. And that is very much like the process oriented approach and just like understanding it that way is also a very growth mindset way of looking at it. So all of those setbacks, those obstacles, those barriers, the difficult times are all just information. That's all it is, just information. So that, okay, that didn't work. Cool. Now we pivot and do something else. It doesn't mean it's information that you are not cut out for it. It just means that that was not the right strategy for you. And the more you can just like start to reframe and really think that way, the more likely you are to be successful. Yes, Casey, you're speaking my language because that's exactly what I tell all my clients. When they first start, um, I tell them, right now, all I want is to collect data. It's an, a judgment-free zone. I just want to get to know what you're already doing so we can set a baseline to build upon. Mm -hmm. And every time we collect data, like uh, weighing them or uh, looking at their calories or their macros, I always repeat to them, it's just information and whenever and it's information that informs the tool that we're going to try to use and if it doesn't work the tool didn't work it's not that you're wrong in some way uh, and you don't work for the tool who cares what tool you're going to use as long as you get there eventually and if you appreciate this idea and everything that you've just spoken about you also come to realize that taking steps back isn't failure it's just part of the process that's going to make you better. Mm -hmm. And one way that I really liked, um, one way of putting it that I really liked, I heard from, um, oh, come on, what's his name? Uh, it's, it's on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, I was listening to this podcast interview and this person who's a really successful, who's a really successful athlete, he said, I'm not afraid of failing. Because if I fail, I get to try again. And I think that that really speaks to what a growth mindset is. He's not afraid of being unsuccessful and taking those three steps back because he's so in love with the process that he just wants to repeat the process and, and get that chance. Yeah, Which is really fascinating great. to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think that's, it's not easy to get to that perspective, right? And I think so many people hear that and they're like, yeah, but he's like this really great athlete and has like all these skills and like natural talent and things like that. And if you were that person who was just doing that, just know that's your fixed mindset talking. The more often we attribute other people's success to their natural talents and abilities and like, oh, they just have something that I don't have. That is your fixed mindset talking because at the end of the day, you can have all the talent in the world. You can have the talent of the of like Michael Jordan in playing basketball, right? But if you're not willing to put the effort in and go to practice and try really freaking hard, it does not matter. It doesn't matter. So even the people with the most talent in the world, you know, it, it still requires a lot of this time and effort and strategy and, and failures and obstacles. Like they're all going through that too. So it makes me think too, like the number of people out there who have some sort of like insane talent right but they're just not aware of it and they're not willing to put the effort in and they're honestly wasting it so I think maybe taking that perspective too of like rather than I just don't have what all of those people have that to be successful is to think like no you have you may have something and you're just not using it wisely and what a bummer that would be if you just keep going about your life without actually trying to tap into it and 
that's the, that's the secret sauce is like actually trying to tap into it rather than just like explaining away someone else's success or that you don't have what it takes and that sort of thing. So far, we've spoken a lot about uh, traits of a fixed mindset. And um, it would be interesting to dive into something you said earlier about how sometimes we believe we have a growth mindset, but we're just tricking ourselves into thinking that. I'd like to for you to talk a bit more about that, because, again, so far we've talked about traits that people would be aware of. But what if they're not aware that something that they're doing is actually a sign of a fixed mindset? What are some of these behaviors that we might trick ourselves into thinking are a sign that we're, we have a growth mindset when that's not the case? Yeah, yeah. So I think oh, maybe not so much of like tricking yourself that you have a growth mindset, but you may be thinking that you have a growth mindset until you hear me say some of these things and like, oh, wait, maybe I don't. Um, one of them is what I was just kind of going through with like the success of other people. So how you respond to other people's success, whether they're pro athletes or they're one of the people that you grew up with and now has this amazing life that you wish you had and how you're attributing their success, if that is to just like natural talent, ability, luck, they got it handed to them, their parents helped them out, whatever. Like that often is very much a fixed mindset way of thinking because it feels better when we're like, oh, they got that successful thing that I want because they have something that I don't. So now suddenly it like takes the pressure off of you and takes the responsibility off of you to actually work for it by just saying, oh, well, they just got lucky, you know, you, and you can't like make yourself lucky or they just like have it naturally and you can't give yourself a natural ability. Right. So, um, and then again, like kind of gets you to a place of like, well, then why try? Because they, they did this because of something that I don't have. It's not something that I can like cultivate over time. Um, another one that we've kind of like touched on a good bet is just about like setbacks and obstacles, challenges, barriers, things like that, how you respond to those things. If you see it as information that you're not cut out for it, that you won't be successful, that you don't have the ability, um, instead of seeing it as information to grow and to improve and to keep developing your skills, that is very much a fixed mindset trait. And it can be easy to get frustrated and upset when you run into those things, but the more you can, again, shift into that more growth minded perspective that, okay, that just didn't work for me. There's other things that probably will, the better off you're going to be rather than a fixed mindset perspective of that didn't work for me. Of course it didn't because I'm just not cut out for this. Right. Um, and then the last one is feedback. That is a big one too. So feedback from other people, from colleagues, your significant other, your parents, your boss, whatever it may be, how you respond to feedback. And a lot of times what we will do is respond to feedback negatively in our head. And we'll say like, oh, they don't really know what they're talking about. Like I, I did it the right way or whatever. But then to their face, we'll say, thank you for the feedback. I'll, I'll incorporate that. Right. Um, so this is where we kind of maybe like trick ourselves a little bit be like, no, I like always respond well to the person who's giving me the feedback. But then if in the, in your mind, you're actually doing something totally different and like convincing yourself why you were actually correct in what you were doing and that the feedback wasn't correct, then it totally defeats the purpose. Right. So people with a growth mindset will take feedback as really crucial information. Like they're seeking feedback from people. Like, please tell me what I could be doing better. Please tell me what I did wrong. So I know how I can be better and improve and make this even better next time, right? Whereas someone with a fixed mindset may again say to their face, like, thank you, I appreciate your feedback. But in the background be like, yeah, but I actually, I'm fine with the way that I did it. I don't necessarily need that feedback, right? Um, or at, at the worst case scenario with a fixed mindset, you see that as like a personal attack. Like, oh, they don't really know. They don't think I'm smart. They don't think I know what I'm doing. Or um, it's like challenging, like who you are as a person rather than like just the strategy or the thing or the, that you did. Right. So that's where people can go in the depths of a fixed mindset, too. It becomes much more of feels like more of a personal attack, um, which some people may be listening to this and thinking like, yeah, I've definitely received feedback before. And it felt like it, like a punch in the gut. Right. And that's like very much you can just like. I would challenge you all to think if any of this is like, oh, yeah, I may have done that before to get more critical with it and to like get more clinical with it and really sort of think like, 
why am I thinking that way? Where is this coming from? Why does this bother me? Why am I trying to attribute this person's success to like something else than their effort? Why am I taking this feedback so negatively and personally? Why do I see my setbacks as something that just proves that I'm not like worthy of this or able to do this thing? Really think like, where is that coming from? Because typically there is some sort of core belief there that was developed from experiences, past situations, things like that. And better, more you can understand it, the more you'll be able to feel like you can control it and actually change it. That makes sense. So it sounds like when you are in these situations, when you're responding to a failure or a setback, when you're getting feedback from others, or when you're reflecting um, about other people's success, you may be able to catch yourself um, expressing beliefs or thoughts that have to do with a more fixed mindset. So it's about being able to notice that and ask yourself, why am I thinking this way? Where is this coming from? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the more information that you can gather and sort of being the researcher on your own life and gathering that data, the better. Because really like the first step for all of this, if you're thinking like, okay, I would really like to improve my mindset. I would really like to be more successful in the things that I'm doing. And I know that I'm holding myself back is that you have to get really, really clear, become really aware of where you are currently holding yourself back of where you, where your fixed mindset does show up and you can't really improve what you don't know needs improving. So you need to gather like all of this baseline level data, which can be really uncomfortable because it's literally looking in the eye to yourself and saying like, these are the things that are holding you back. These are the things that you're doing not necessarily wrong or you're not broken. Like it's just becoming more aware of the spaces that you need to fill in order to be more successful. And that can be a really uncomfortable process, but it can also be like a, a life-changing process. And like if people who are interested in personal development, like this is the stuff, right? Um, and really trying to uncover where it's coming from, why it's there. And then once you can really do that, like honestly, sometimes that's all you need. I've seen it before plenty of times where once people just become more aware of where their fixed mindset is at and how they're holding themselves back. Like some people may be listening to this and like are becoming more aware of these things. Like that's enough to really start to shift your perspective and start to shift your mindset just by becoming aware of what you're doing. Right. Cause before it was like unconscious, you didn't really know it was there. You couldn't really figure it out. And once it becomes a little bit more clear, that like might be enough to just like really start that momentum that you're looking for. So developing awareness would be, the first step and sometimes the only step to already start developing a growth mindset over a and overcome your fixed mindset beliefs that is mm -hmm. really interesting thank you for sharing that now since we're coming to the end of our time together i think it would be interesting to touch upon something we've mentioned in passing which is potentially looking for a coach for help now in the um fitness community Unfortunately, uh, there is a variety, well, fortunately and unfortunately, there is a variety of different coaches and some of them do promote more of a fixed mindset over a growth mindset. And it's not always apparent sometimes, I believe, to a potential client what red flag, what might be red flags, because um, even though we've been talking about mindset for almost an hour, uh, it's also true that there are people who who never spare a thought for the fact that it might actually play a role in uh, their success in fitness. They think, well, I keep failing because I haven't found the right diet or I just don't have enough discipline. Mm -hmm. I don't have enough self-control and so on. And uh, these fixed mindset beliefs can be corroborated by a coach or even if they're not, it's not their coach, it's somebody they're following on social media who presents themselves as a coach. So I wanted to ask you, how would you, what would be some red flags that you would uh, caution people to watch out for so that they don't get even more entrenched than they already are in a fixed mindset? Because mm -hmm. maybe they're looking at the wrong sources of inspiration and information. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and it can be hard to spot unless you are someone like me or someone just well-versed in mindset language at this point. Um, but I do think, you know, the, the coaches that are constantly harping on 
just needing to put more effort forth, right? Like if, if you want to go get it, just put in effort. You just have to do more. You just have to try harder, things like that. That would be a red flag to me because it's we, it's it's so much more than that, right? There's so much more going on. Um, and just putting effort forth is literally only a fraction <laughs> of what is going on. So a lot of times where I see coaches going wrong in their language, and I've, I've seen this even inside the certification and conversations that we've had, is that like getting frustrated because, oh, I mean, the client is paying me or I can't motivate them. They need to get motivated themselves. You know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. So any of that kind of language is a red flag to me because it's a lot of the coach not taking responsibility and putting the responsibility totally on the client. So I would say that like probably in general, any kind of messages that are about like how this is your responsibility solely as the client to make this stuff happen. That to me is a red flag and could push you further into a fixed mindset. If you were to work with that coach, um, I, what I teach inside the health mindset coaching certification and mentor with my coaches on my team is to always take like radical responsibility, even if it feels like, yes, of course it's a two way street. And yes, the, the, the client does need to put an effort. That's not what I'm saying here, but if you as the coach were to constantly say like, okay, if this client is not doing well, they're not staying consistent, there's something that I could be doing better. You are going to be a better coach if you think that way, right? If you automatically go to like, okay, what can I try instead? What like tools do I have? What strategies, what exercises, what can we give to this client or ask to see if they're interested in rather than just assuming like, well, you paid me. If you don't want to do put in the effort, that's on you. You know, I can't make you motivated. Um, that's a very just like, like lazy approach in my opinion. Whereas, and it could be very much coming from the coach having a fixed mindset, right? Because they're thinking like, okay, well, if you can't do it, then you're not capable of doing it, right? And so they're not going to try as the coach to actually help that person be more capable. Um, so yeah, that's what I would look for. Um, other things, any, honestly, anytime a coach is talking about your ability to be successful and like an always or never type of capacity. So using words like if you always do this, then you'll always do that. Or if you, if you can never do this, then you'll, you'll never be successful or whatever, like using those, um, I guess they're like more terms that would make it sound more concrete and not malleable. Um, that kind of language in general, just like being on the lookout for that. And that goes for yourself too. When you're thinking like, oh, I can never do that, or I'm not the type of person or whatever, like that's very, like, those are fixed mindset cues really. So be looking mm -hmm. for those. Um, man, this is a good question. I feel like if I kept thinking, I could find out <laughs> more, but um, that's what comes to the top of my head. Thank you. It's a great answer. And uh, what you said was so interesting when you mentioned that a um, coach can say, oh, if, you, if you're always doing this, then you'll always do that. And that's, again, a way of saying you're the kind of person who does X, which is, mm -hmm. it, it's like thinking of yourself as something that is never going to change, as someone who's never going to change. And the, wh why that matters to me to bring up in the conversation is that ultimately mindset comes back to identity if you want to change and to develop a growth mindset you need to change your identity to stop being so stuck in the frame of mind that who you are now is who you're always going to be the tools that you have in your personality traits and your behaviors now are always going to be the same that is what I'm trying to say that uh, I would like people to overcome this idea that who you are now is the same person who's going to get to the outcome that you want. That by definition is impossible because if that were true, you would already be there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And identity itself is like a very big piece of all this, right? And that's where the, the whole type of person thing like can be showcased as a fixed mindset. We can also go the growth mindset route too. Like if you're, I'm the type of person who perseveres and I'm the type of person who like, if something doesn't work out for me that I try to find another strategy rather than just giving up entirely and that sort of thing. So if you could start to see yourself and honestly look for information in your past where you have done that, because we've all had situations in the past that we have overcome and become stronger for it and learned from it. And 
now you could, if you could start to identify with those things rather than some of the negative things, like, oh, I've tried to lose weight like six times and it's never worked. Yeah, but oh, look at all the other things you've accomplished, right? So that's just like, that's one example of being the type of person like that isn't successful, but like, look at all the other examples of where you have been in your life. So like the chances are like, you are really more of that type of person. You just haven't found the thing that works right for you in this situation when it comes to weight loss or whatever that one thing is. Um, so yeah, identity is, is a big piece in that. And I think kind of tying back to what we were talking about before of just kind of like taking the plunge and just going for it. Right. There's inside of, I think this comes from cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy. I can't remember for sure, but it's like, this idea of we think in order to become a certain person, we have to have certain things already have stuff like figured out to become that person. But the reality is we need to be the person to start doing the things to actually have the stuff, have the results, right? But we're, we're so tied up in thinking we need to have this thing in order to do it in order to become that person. So it really is the opposite. So you just like start thinking about, again, that future self and who it takes to become that person who has this success and then working backwards from there. And that's kind of very much that identity piece for sure. Perfect. It's a great way to end the conversation. You also tied everything back together by mentioning that you want to be aware not only of your weaknesses, but also of your strengths, which circles back to the awareness that we established was the first step to developing a growth mindset. So this was a great way to uh, end the conversation, Casey. Thank you so much. Before we go, let the listeners know where they can find you and plug anything that you'd like. And I'll make sure to um, put all of the links in the show notes of this episode. Yeah, for sure. So as far as social media goes, I mainly hang out on Instagram. That's my main platform of choice. So if you're interested in more content related to what we talked about today, some free resources, things like that, you can find all of that on Instagram. So I'm Coach Casey Joe over there. If you're interested in more of like my programs and what I have to offer, you can check out a couple of my websites. So I have kjocoaching.com and then also healthmindsetcert.com if you're interested in the certification. So both the coaching and um, certification can be found on those separate websites. And I'm just writing that down so I don't forget. Perfect. I'll have all the links in the show notes. As always, dear listeners, thank you very much for uh, lending me your ear for a little bit. Thank you, Casey, for being on the show. And uh, I'll talk to you next time. Before I let you go, dear listeners, I just wanted to mention that I finally remembered the high-level athletes who gave that amazing uh, quote that I mentioned, whereby they said, I'm not afraid of failing because I get to try again. And that's Lane Norton. Do you know when you have some name or some word on the tip of your tongue and you're like, oh my God, I know I remember this and shout it at the most inappropriate moment, that's exactly what happened. I remembered it after the conversation and I suddenly shouted, Lane Norton! And it made no sense whatsoever at that point in time, but I decided to share it with you just now at the very end of the interview. Thank you again for listening and until next time. Lastly, if you want to support the podcast, and help me reach more people, please leave a five-star rating or review on any podcast platform that you're using. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.